0: From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill, your snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix.
1: Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick, the entertainment editor here at Mamma Mia,
0: and I'm Claire Stevens. I'm the editor at Mamma Mia, and I'm filling in for Key Reese because we've just got some celebrity and entertainment stuff to talk about today, don't we, Laura?
1: Exactly. So the company line is that Key's taking a day off to do her tax and go to the beach, but the real story is I bumped her off so we have someone to talk about the Bachelor in depth. <laughs>
0: I have news. What's the hot gossip? I want more headlines. So what you need to know today is that John Legend and Chrissy Teigen are expecting their third child. This all started with a music video for a song called Wild that John Legend has just released. In the new video, you see Chrissy Teigen standing there and John Legend puts his arms around her and kind of cradles her bump.
1: So the couple are already parents to two children. They've got Luna, who's four years old, and Miles, who is two years old. And they've been really open throughout the relationship, but they've had a lot of fertility struggles and a lot of um, difficulty in that area. So they waited a little while before Chrissy Teigen finally took to her Twitter account and her Instagram account uh, a few hours after the music video is released to share her own video announcement. Look at this third baby shirt. <gasps> oh, my God. Also making news today, according to multiple inside sources, and I do say that tongue in cheek, um, and a suspicious Instagram caption, it looks like Miley Cyrus and Cody Simpson have ended their relationship. So Claire, obviously playing a little detective here, page six, who often do have people in the download pass them information, so it is believable, say that the couple have split after beginning to date in October. They've also noticed that there's a reference in one of her latest Instagram captions for her new music video, where she writes forever and ever no more.
0: See, for me, the first thing I did when I saw these rumours, I was like, okay, well, I'm not an idiot. I'm a very clever journalist. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to their Instagrams and check when they last posted about each other. And it looks like Miley Cyrus has deleted photos of Cody off her Instagram. There's nothing there. I will say that apparently they're still following each other. But the fact that they've almost wiped their feeds clean of each other, to me, that's, I mean, it's a no brainer. It's just a fact. Being in love is like the best feeling in the world. It takes your breath away. I've definitely had my heart broken. Love. It is scary. Love, Love's like the scariest thing in the world. So this week, the 2020 season of The Bachelor kicked off on Channel 10 with Australian Survivor star Lockie Gilbert. Today we wanted to chat a little bit about the characters that are emerging on this season of The Bachelor. This season feels really different in that you look at the group of women and you could be watching Australia's Next Top Model. They're all tall and thin and absolutely beautiful. Obviously not a lot of diversity which has been a running theme in The Bachelor but they also seem like caricatures. They don't seem like real people and there are a few people in particular that have received a lot of attention over the last two days. One is obviously Zoe Clare and her ridiculous speech about being a redhead and then there's the woman that she is fighting with, Ariba, in terms of character development, they seem to be villains. And then we've got a lot of the wifies. So we've got Irina and Bella. Before the season started, there was one woman called Marliana, but she was tipped to win from the beginning. She hasn't got a lot of screen time. But what are you thinking, Laura, in terms of those kind of characters that we see forming on every season.
1: There's just this real kind of underlying stench to this season. It's a stench of sexism, I would say. So it kind of feels like they've really straight out of the gate Put everyone into their camps and everyone into their little structures. So we've got Irina and Bella, who am, I'm understanding from the music that they were given. Former batchie winner Chelsea McLeod pointed it out in regards to the fact that there's that kind of fairy tale music happens. Even the way those women kind of had those more fairy tale dresses, and they had the slow panning of the camera as they walked up. So straight away they're almost untouchable to the audience because they're the pure women who are there to be the wives or the wifies, as they say on Unreal, which I I actually felt more like I was watching a season of Unreal watching this in terms of you could see the mechanics, you could see the knobs being twisted in the background to give everyone kind of their story. But it also seems that this time around that we've got a few more villains straight out of the gate, would you say?
0: Yes, I would 100% say more villains, more drama. Then you watch it and you go, Nobody actually behaves like this. It is the second episode and you have women being awful about each other. On last night's episode, a new girl turned up and almost all the existing girls were in tears. There's something about the casting of this season that feels like we've got no depth or no authenticity to who these people are. And it's actually quite in contrast to Lockie because Lockie, although he's obviously, you know, traditional like big guy, adventure, all of that stuff, he seems quite... Real, And it's in complete contrast to these women and it's 100% the editing and the way that it's been cut together, not them as individuals, but they just don't seem like real people. On his first date with Bella, you don't learn anything about her. It's no depth, it's all about the way she looks. There's no kind of grit or nuance to it at all, which is really bizarre and I don't know if that's actually going to affect how much people watch it maybe it's what we need right now
1: I think it's more so what we need right now I actually wonder if there's going to be a slow people kind of turning away from it or even kind of picking up on these nuances even more just because I think people are so much smarter about how they watch these shows now as much as we kind of say this season feels so regressive I guess is the right word they're all pretty much a conveyor belt of you know attractive man a woman stands there a few quirky people come in who we know are going to go straight away a few wifeys or husbands come through who get the nice edit. A few villains come in who kind of spice things up for a few episodes. You know, every season does work out the same way. But I think this season feels so regressive, maybe be- almost because of Locky, because he does seem like that old school kind of guy's Guy, I'm here to pick the prettiest woman. I talk a lot about, you know, adventuring and stuff. Like, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but it's more so his underlying comments of that he wants a cool girl. That kind of idea that you know he's wanting a girl who looks like a supermodel, can sink some beers with him, will also go on a date with him, like you're saying, and not say anything, kind of be very ornamental. And even though they're not trying to make him look like that, because that's what he's looking for, I feel like the whole show is coming across that way because there's been so many headlines about that one line he said because it is such a a line that kind of heightens what diet culture and what fat phobia in australia looks like so when he was talking to Stefan as she walked away he said this line any
0: girl that looks like steph and then could smash a burrito like that's amazing
1: And I think that one line kind of tells you everything you need to know about a guy like that. Like he's saying, I like a girl that can eat, but only if she always looks skinny and perfect. That's that's such a regressive statement. That's what the whole season is hedging on, it feels.
0: I know. And when she walked in, it was a really jarring moment, I thought, because she walked in and she was wearing this red dress and you could see her whole kind of midriff and waist. And it was particularly thin. You go, oh, goodness, she's very little. And then he made that comment and I just thought – is that amazing? Is that amazing? Like in terms of human beings and like how amazing human beings can be, is that really the most amazing thing? It was really uncomfortable, I thought. And it made me think exactly what you said, that he's after somebody ornamental rather than somebody who's real and authentic. And I honestly feel that this season more than other seasons
1: it feels very like throwback to the old school u.s bachelor before we knew how the mechanics worked it's almost like it's trying to give us a fairy tale but it's such a aggressive fairy tale that i do wonder if people are now smart enough to push against it however it hasn't had a huge effect on the ratings like it's probably not going to reach the heights of like a uh, sophie monk or anything like that like her season did so well but it's also not going to be one of the more kind of lower rated ones it did bring in quite a few viewers across both nights however it wasn't the most watch Entertainment program of the night that went to the Chase Australia. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, we know that the premiere and the finale get the biggest numbers, and it depends on how much people relate to the Bachelor Bachelorette if they stay through the episodes in between that. Na, 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 na. I finished my work week on my couch, ordered some food. It's time for Weekend Watch. Our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. Alrighty,
0: it is time for Weekend Watch. So, my Weekend Watch for this week is The Clinton Affair. It is on SBS. I'm watching it on demand. And... It is brilliant. I have not been able to find a show that I can sit down and watch with my partner. So The Clinton Affair, we sat down, we thought we'd give it an episode and got completely hooked. It is the best documentary series that I've seen in so long Just from the get-go, the thing that's amazing about it is the title, that it's not called The Lewinsky Scandal, it's called The Clinton Affair, which is exactly what it was. And the part of it that I think will really interest people is the fact that there were other women before Monica Lewinsky and that she was really just a pawn in making another scandal come to light and it's just absolutely fascinating. Parts of the story I had never ever heard about and they interview over 50 people and Monica Lewinsky speaks on it. She is absolutely fascinating. Something really interesting is that she really acknowledges the parts that she still feels bad about. Like she doesn't pretend to be a saint or a complete victim in it. She says that she was in love. She talks about the times when she was really forthright with the president. It's an excellent example of what happens when women are allowed to tell their own stories. And it makes you think a lot about Trump and the things that he has been able to get away with that you just didn't used to be able to ever get away with in politics.
1: That is the palate cleanser I needed after our Bachelor chat. So my weekend watch for this week is a new true crime documentary called I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which finally premiered in Australia after the longest wait via Foxtel this week. So it's a series that revolves around the late crime writer Michelle McNamara and her hunt for Joseph James D'Angelo Jr., who is, of course, is better known now as the Golden State Killer. So he was a former American police officer who was also a serial killer a serial rapist and a burglar so the story kind of gets in it's based off michelle mcnamara's best-selling book and basically it covers the way that she as a crime writer became really obsessed with uncovering this killer and uncovering this criminal and did a lot of her own research and really kind of delved into his life as someone who had evaded police for more than 40 years so i'm not usually a true crime fan i feel like a lot of the time these genres particularly now really glorify uh, Murderers and killers. They use kind of women's death as a kind of gory way to sell a story, and I don't really like people watching that stuff for entertainment. However, this is really done through Michelle's eyes and kind of her determination to find this killer and to tell this story and what it did to her life, as well as looking at the Golden State Killer's kind of reign of terror. But we all see this through Michelle's eyes as she's tracking him. What's really sad about watching this is knowing that Michelle who is the first wife of comedian, actor, and author, Peyton Oswalt, who also produced the series, and I think that's why it's so sensitively done in her memory, is that she actually passed away in 2016 of an accidental prescription medicine overdose while writing I'll Be Gone in the Dark. So this is a really amazing tribute to her legacy and her memory and to her book without being gratuitous. So there's six episodes. It's on Foxtel now. I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Just a really amazing watch.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with that story because she, didn't she die before they caught the guy?
1: She did, yeah, so oh. she didn't. So she, like, so the story kind of weaves into that part of what, how much she knew and how much her work contributed, but she didn't get to see that kind of final moment and she didn't get to see all her work be published by and the and kind of how her family and friends made sure her story got told and the documentary kind of goes into that as well. So I think it's just really important to kind of commemorate her legacy in that way so it's not just about him, it's about her work.
0: Oh, my gosh, I'm definitely going to be watching that. What a recommendation. Thank you for listening to The Spill today. You can get in contact with us by emailing us at thespill at mummia.com.au. And while you're listening, please subscribe and leave us a review. This episode of The Spill was produced by Rachel Hart. We'll see you on mummia.com.au. Bye. Bye.